Well, again, good morning. Uh, today is the second Sunday of Advent. Uh, we kicked off Advent last week, this 40-day season uh, that leads up to Christmas in which we uh, both remember and celebrate uh, Christmas, the coming uh, of Jesus, his first Advent, and in which we uh, look forward to and long for Jesus' second coming, his second Advent. Um, and so because that's what Advent is about, the first and uh, the second coming of Jesus, uh, it can feel a little bit strange. Advent can feel a little bit out of sync with kind of, I guess you could say, the kind of the Christmas vibe. We talked about why that is last week, but we also talked about why we need Advent. And so I just want to invite us to kind of enter into that tension uh, that we might feel with what's happening within the church versus what's happening kind of outside the church. Um, because I think we do need Advent. We're facing really difficult uh, and desperate times. And so we need these Advent themes that we're talking about. Uh, themes of hope and of renewal and justice and joy. And so each week what we're doing in Advent, we're, we're looking at one of these themes uh, each Sunday. Last Sunday we looked at hope, and this Sunday uh, we're going to look at renewal, looking at Advent as a time of renewal. And so I want to invite you to, to grab a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one of those blue Bibles probably in the seat back near you, uh, or you can just pull it up on your phone to Luke chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. Those verses I just read, Luke 3, 1 through 6. And as you're turning there, um, just know we're going to focus in on one particular verse, on verse 3. Um, and uh, I want to encourage you, too, as we're looking at this passage, just a reminder that we together as a church are going through N.T. Wright's Advent for Everyone. So if you haven't picked up a copy of that yet, order a copy. You can find them online at most uh, booksellers. But it's a great uh, uh, resource that helps us on our journey together as we're going through Advent, looking at the Gospel of Luke and Right, actually walks through this passage uh, for this day in the devotional. So if you haven't got it, get it. It's a great resource. Use it. I think you'll love it. Um, now, as we're looking at chapter three, um, I just want to say if Advent had a mascot, okay, that might be strange to say, but if Advent were to have a mascot, that mascot, the, the person who embodied the themes of Advent most clearly would be John the Baptist. John the Baptist is, in a way, the mascot of Advent. He was born uh, about the same time as Jesus, maybe a little bit before. Uh, he grew up and, and lived in the wilderness. That's what we're told here in uh, Luke chapter 3. Uh, in fact, in Mark and Matthew's gospel, it tells us that he wore camel's hair and had a leather belt. Uh, and he ate like locusts. He ate bugs, you know. And so this guy is, he's wild. He's out there. Uh, he is eclectic to say the least. And so I was trying to picture like, what does this guy look like? Like, if I could imagine what this looks like. And the first thing that popped in my head was um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character in The Revenant. Have you all seen that movie? He's, like, rough and ready and wears lots of hairy things, you know. And he's just, he's just out there, like, in, in the wilderness. That's John the Baptist. John the Baptist is, he's out there. He's wild, frontier guy, countercultural provocateur. He's this strange character who's just out of sync, right, with, with the times and with the people. And so he's out there, but he's speaking this powerful word of truth, this powerful word of truth. And so he's been called the last of the prophets and the first of the witnesses of Jesus because of that. And, and Luke talks about this when he says that he's the voice of one crying in the wilderness. That's who John the Baptist is. He's crying out, prepare the way of the Lord. So he's this kind of forerunner of Jesus. And he's telling people, prepare for the first advent of Jesus. And what is John's message 
to prepare them. His message in verse 3 is this. He comes proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. A baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. You see, John the Baptist, he comes on the scene and he's come to prepare people for Jesus' coming, for his arrival. And how is he doing that? He's doing that by warning them of this imminent danger of sin. That's his message. There's an imminent danger of sin, and they need to take urgent action. And so he calls them to repentance. Because for John, the problem of sin was a spiritual disaster, right, of epic proportions, and a baptism of repentance is going to help deliver them from it. And so that's why he has this message. Now, why? The question is, why is John so convinced of this? He he orients his entire life around this calling, around this message that he's calling people to repentance. So it would help to know that in John's days, for example, that people were suffering under the tyranny of Rome. Uh, Ruthless rulers used fear and oppression to maintain power over the Jewish people. And so in response, devout Jews, those who loved God, what they did was they longed for God to deliver them. They longed for this new word from God. They were desperate for deliverance and for freedom and for renewal, for the renewal of Israel. And so baptism is a powerful sign in the scriptures of renewal. It's this powerful sign that connects deeply with Israel's story. That's because God had delivered his people from this kind of tyranny before. So if you think back across the story of Scripture, uh, that should immediately maybe bring to mind the story of the Exodus. The Exodus is the story of God's deliverance of his people from slavery in Egypt. He had brought them out of Egypt, right? And what did he do? He brought them through the waters of the Red Sea. He brought them through the wilderness. He brought them through the waters of the Jordan, the very river where John the Baptist is now baptizing people. And so through all of this, what we see is baptism is kind of this powerful symbol of the fact that God has brought his people into new life and in the history of Israel, into new life through the waters and into the promised land, life with him. And it's important, I think, to know that that in that story, there were Old Testament prophets that came before John. Prophets who had declared Israel's captivity in Egypt had been the consequence of their sin and was part of God's judgment on his people. And the way that they were to be delivered out of the slavery of sin, according to the prophets, was to return to God with heart and soul. Return to God. Repent. Micah 3.7 says, return to me, says the Lord, and I will return to you. In other words, what John is doing here and what we're supposed to kind of see in Luke chapter 3 is that John is preparing God's people for a new exodus, a new exodus. Like the Old Testament prophets, John is calling people to a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He's calling them to return to the Lord. He's preparing the way of the Lord himself to come and bring renewal. So, What does all that mean? I would boil all that down to this simple phrase. And if you hear nothing else today, I would say, hear this. The path to renewal begins with repentance. The path to renewal begins with repentance. Now, I want to unpack that a little bit. So the path to renewal. Most of us, I think, like that part. (laughs) 
The path to renewal leads to repent, or begins with repentance. We like the renewal part. We like the sound of renewal. Renewal means restoration. It means healing. It means fresh start. It means new beginning. I, I think few are the people who would deny that you know, the world needs renewal on some level. We feel that acutely in 2020. The world needs renewal. I think few of us would, would even be willing to deny that we ourselves feel that internally in our own lives. We need renewal, that things, things are not as they should be. And so we long for renewal. And that longing for renewal is an Advent longing. It's an Advent longing. Revelation 21 promises that when Jesus returns, he will make all things new. It says he'll wipe every tear from ours. There'll be no more death, no more suffering, no more pain. And when Jesus returns, we'll know what life with God was meant to be. That's the promise of Jesus' second coming. And so that's God's heart. It reveals God's heart for us and for creation, which means even now, even now, not just in the future, but even now, God loves to renew. He loves to renew. Even now, he is working to bring healing and restoration that we can know today in part, but we will know in full when he returns. And we want that. We long for that. We love the sound of renewal. But most of us don't like the sound of repentance. We don't like the repentance piece. Now, maybe when you hear the word repentance, you feel condemnation. Maybe that's a, a response you feel deep within you somewhere. Your experience of the church or your perception of Christianity has left that, that taste in your mouth, right, of condemnation. And for you, that's painful. I know many of us may have had that experience. The call to repent is a difficult message in any age, but particularly ours, I think. And I think that for two reasons. One, I think it's been really abused and misunderstood. I think the call to repentance has been abused and misunderstood. And so even in the church, what happens is there's a reluctance to even talk about sin itself or repentance. And so I think we've got a challenge. We don't really know what repentance means or what repentance is, even in the church. I think it's difficult, too, because we don't have models of repentance, especially in public life. Um, I love what Fleming Rutledge says in her book on Advent. She talks about this, and she says, the best that most public figures can do these days seems to be say something like, I'm sorry if anyone was offended, right? Or I'm sorry if anyone was hurt. And then she says this. She says, saying that admits nothing, it costs nothing, and it heals nothing. It's not repentance. And I think in our culture, for sure, and maybe even in the church, we don't really understand what repentance is to a degree. In the Bible, the word repentance comes from the Greek metanoia, which means to change. It means to change. To repent is to experience a heart change, a whole life change. It means reorienting your life towards God. J.I. Packer uh, says it this way. He says, repentance is more than just sorrow for the past. It is a change of mind and heart, a new life of denying self and serving the Savior as king in place of self. Denying self and serving the Savior as king in place of self. Repentance, to put it simply, is choosing God over self. That means true repentance is a courageously honest response to the gospel. 
The truth is that we've rejected God and chosen ourselves over him. This is our circumstance, that we deserve judgment and death. But the good news of the gospel is that the God of love has chosen to send his son to suffer the consequences of our sin on the cross and that by rising from the dead and ascending to heaven, he has made life with God, eternal life, life forever with God possible. That's the good news. And so to repent is to trust in, to surrender to, to respond to a God who loves us and calls us through Jesus to return to him. That's why Romans 2.4 says it's God's kindness, right? It's the kindness of God that actually leads us to repentance. It's not guilt. It's not shame. It's the love of God, which makes true repentance a gift, It doesn't arise, again, out of guilt or shame or weakness. It's a response to God's love for us is what repentance is. And that means that there's always hope. Repentance means that there's always hope, not condemnation, hope. It means there's hope for you and me and for the world, hope for forgiveness and for healing and restoration that begins not with self-improvement and not with social or political movements, but with repentance. Renewal begins with repentance and so it's not something that we do once it's something we do again and again it's a way of life in Jesus it's constant renewal constant growth transforming our hearts to be more and more like Jesus so repentance cultivates a deep humility and this burning love for God and it It gives us courage, a discerning courage in the world to do what is right. And so that's why the way of renewal in Jesus always begins with repentance. And I would say it's always been true, but I don't know, it feels more acutely true, I think, in the moment in which we're living, that the world and the church are in need of renewal. The world and the church are in need of renewal. And if we want to see renewal, if we want to see renewal, and we do, then we have to acknowledge it begins with repentance. Renewal begins with repentance. Not out there, but in here and in here. That renewal begins with repentance. We are in constant need of a change of heart, and we need to surrender more and more of our lives to Jesus. We need to receive his forgiveness and his grace again and again and again. And we do that through repentance. So renewal begins with repentance. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for you and me? I, I want to end with three questions that I want you to consider this week. Three questions. The first is this. You may need to ask, Jesus, have I surrendered my life to you? Have I surrendered my life to you? Maybe you've never taken that initial step of repentance in your life. Uh, you've grown up in the church. You've grown up around Christianity. Maybe you've Christianity is new to you. Wherever you are on your journey, you've never made this step. And our journey of repentance always begins right where we are. That's the good news, is that God is always there waiting with grace to respond. He says, if you'll return to me, I will return to you. And so there's an invitation, an invitation for every single person to actually say to Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for making my life about me. To say to Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross and that you forgive me. To say to Jesus, 
Would you give me your spirit? Please come into my life and transform my heart and my life. And you can do that today. You can do that at any moment. Jesus invites us to repent, to turn to him and believe in Jesus. So that's the first question. Jesus, have I surrendered to you? Second question I would encourage all of us to ask uh, is, in what areas of my life am I still trusting myself over Jesus? In what areas am I still trusting myself over Jesus? We need to humble ourselves before God and just ask this question. Ask God to reveal those places where we're trusting self over Jesus. And, And here's the thing. That's all of us. That's all the time. That's every day. That's a constant question that we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to see those aspects of our life that we haven't yet given over to Jesus. I heard a friend of mine say this recently. I thought it was really powerful. He said, the truth is I'm willing to surrender 100% of 80% of my life. It's the other 20% that gives me a problem. (laughs) I'm willing to give 100% of 80% of my life, but I'm going to hold back this part. Don't touch this. And that so resonates with me. I think that's being really generous if I think about my life. I don't know that I've surrendered 80% of my life to the Lord. But I think the question is, what do you need to surrender? What do you need to surrender? Is there a relationship, for example, in your life that needs renewal and restoration? This week, I had to make a a phone call to a friend in this church, uh, to a brother that I had to call because I, I recognized and God opened my eyes to the fact that I was angry with this friend. And that that anger had turned into me carrying around some resentment. And so I just had to call and I had to say to him, look, I, um, I've been angry and resentful towards you and I need to ask your forgiveness. And it wasn't easy. Repentance is hard. But it was such a gift. It was a gift to make that call because this is what God did in it. In the conversation, he, and this is not why I made the call, but he then said, please forgive me. Please forgive me because I've done the same thing. And because of repentance, it created space for God to to do the work of renewal. Our friendship has been restored. Our our friendship has been renewed. And so it's just a little picture of the fact that it's repentance. It's repentance that leads to renewal. And so maybe there's a person in your life that you just need to call like I did. Maybe there's a person in your life that you need to ask forgiveness for because there's this burden that you're carrying around, if truth be told, and God wants to lift that burden. He wants to free you from that and restore your relationship. So maybe it's a call you need to make. Maybe it's a conversation you need to have. Maybe there's some shame or guilt that's just weighing on you, resentment or anger that you are carrying around, and God can heal that. God wants to heal that and can free you and restore and renew. And so the first step is repentance. First step is repentance. If we want renewal, we must come to the end of ourselves. We must contend with our pride. We have to have enough guts and honesty to say to ourselves, Lord, I can't fix this. I'm powerless. I need your help. Renewal comes when we desperately come to the feet of Jesus and we surrender to him. Third question. I want to give you is this. How does our repentance help renew the world around us? A little more abstract, but I want to try to make it real. (laughs) 
How does our repentance help renew the world around us? Repentance actually does have the power to renew not only us, but lives, and I would say even society beyond us. Personal renewal begins in the hidden places within us where God meets us, but eventually this interchange of heart will overflow out into our external lives, creating a potential for renewal in the world around us. And so my repentance brings about fruit, not only in my own life, but in the world around me. And that's because it orients my heart towards God and frees me from a selfish love and empowers me to a selfless love, to the love of my neighbor. A repenting church then, in other words, a repenting church becomes more and more a church on mission with God. More and more on mission with God because it's authentically demonstrating the powerful, transforming love of God in its life. And the world can see that from the inside out. So praise God that that's how he works. Praise God that that's happening in our church and has happened. And we pray it will continue to happen. This is what we want to see at Apostles. More repentance and more renewal. More repentance, more renewal. Uh, A few months ago, through uh, our ministry partner, Fostering Family, uh, we connected with... uh, uh, organization called Have Haven. Have Haven does work with the foster care system and runs a residential treatment center here in Houston where about 15 uh, to 20 teenage boys uh, from the Harris County foster, uh, foster care system live. And I've been out there, a few of our leadership uh, members, our leadership council have been out there, some of our staff have been out there to this house just to see it. Um, and I just have to say, the, these These boys are boys that the world has given up on. I'll just put it that way. The world has given up on. This is kind of the last place for them. And so it's it's a place where sometimes it can feel short on hope, where there's a desperate need for a a sense of of renewal and restoration. And so I thought uh, of this because, you know, we've been partnering with this organization to have haven we've done some great things like you know we bought some basketballs and some school supplies and some other things earlier in covid and and god's given us this new relationship and partnership with have haven but i I want us to understand what's happening there because i think it connects with this this call in our lives to be a people of renewal in the world and so i've asked wendy uh, smith if she would come and share with us this morning wendy is the director uh, of uh, the Have Haven Residential Treatment Center. And so um, she's going to come and just share a little bit. Of, so come on up here, Wendy. And she's going to share. And actually, I just right off the bat, I just have to tell you all, in getting to know Wendy a little bit, like I'm amazed by this woman. Uh, she uh, spends every day uh, with these 15 to 20 high school boys, uh, middle school and high school boys, Uh, loving on them, showing them the love of Christ, pouring out her life. She and her team do an amazing job, and it's really hard work. I mean, really hard work, and she does it for the glory of God. Uh, The first time I talked to her on the phone, um, she just was pouring out just like her love for the Lord and how that moves her to love these boys who nobody else loves. I mean, nobody else cares about these kids, and so they're kind of out there by themselves. And so God's given us a privilege to kind of come alongside them. And so I just wanted you to hear her heart. I wanted you to hear about what God's doing because um, it is amazing and it's a huge opportunity for us to partner. So let me grab your mic. And I made you cry. I'm really sorry. 
Good morning. Can we just give her a round of applause? This is encouragement. Um, thank you so much, Pastor David, for having me. Um, I don't think it was you that made me cry. It's just the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good. <laughs> and I'm sorry. <laughs> because I feel his presence. And so my heart is humbled before him. And my heart rejoices just to be in your presence, to share in the, the movement that God has me on right now. I'm just thankful. I'm thankful because you have no idea. When Apostles Houston came in, it was like a mighty rushing wind because I felt that I had no hope. Mm -hmm. When the pandemic hits, we, you know, our organization, it was um, kind of at a roadblock. Because it's like, what do you do with something so new? What do you do to entertain kids? What do you do to get them through something? You don't even know what you're getting through. So when Apostles Houston came in with I call a truckload, it was such a blessing. Such a blessing. Um, as he said, my name is Wendy. I'm sorry I got ahead of myself. Um, I just relocated here from Florida about um, three years ago. And I'm a 20-year professional with the penal system there. So when I came here looking for a job, I had no idea what I was getting into. I uh, reached out to my now employer via Facebook, and I was like, hire me, hire me, hire me. And I didn't even know what I was getting into. Um, as Pastor David has said, I work with youth from ages 8 to 20 um, that it seems like everybody has forgotten about. And when they come to me, they're broken, they're abused, they're traumatized, they're hopeless, they're just a body, it seems like. And so my job is hard because I have to not only mend their behaviors, but I have to love on these kids. And I have to love them with the love of Christ. Even when they attack me, my staff, I have to see that this is not the person, this is a spirit that is within that person. So my job is to stand guard of the spirits and their souls and say, not today, Satan. You will not have him today. I have to anoint these kids pray for these kids, fast for these kids, because they don't even know the embodiment of the Holy Spirit they, entain, they have. They don't even know. So my job is to guard that spirit and guide that spirit until they can understand you are an image of Christ. You are not a product of your environment. So that's my job every day, every day. I'm so thankful for you. So thankful because I feel the prayers when you send them. I feel it. When this man of God came in, I see him as a great tower. <laughs> it was like an embodiment of strength. I wasn't even expecting you. I was expecting the other pastor that I see on your, your prayer ministry. So when you came in, you was like a great hope. A hope. And you picked up. I know that he hears from Christ. He don't even know me. But he knows my spirits, and I know his spirit. Because he interconnected with us, and he walks with us. 
sometimes unbeknownst to his ministry, he'll reach out to pray for us. So I feel like this is a call to action for whatever your pastor is telling you to do because there is a great need with these kids. There's a great, great need with these kids. Because the world may forget them, but he will never. Because what we do to the least ones, we have done it unto him. So every day that I want to quit and give up, I have to say, God, give me strength to make it through. I have to renew. I have to repent because it's not an easy job. We don't get pats on the back and we don't get recognition every day. You have to go in knowing that God is my strength and my redeemer. Whom shall I be afraid? So I'm just thankful to be here just to give you some kind of insight on what we do and what's needed. Prayers. If you don't have anything to pray for during noontime or any of your prayer time, just, just pray for us. That God give us strength. Because this generation, God is going to call up. And they may be some of the ones that's coming out, reaching them, laying hands on delivering some of you and some of your kids, and we're going to have to entertain them when they go into the environment. And you don't want these kids going back angry and confused and homicidal because that's what the world has given them, that kind of hope, that kind of anger. And it's up to you and I to pray that God sends the laborers to stand and to deliver. Thank you. Thank you, honey. Hold on, I'm just there right here. Um, so, I do want us to pray this morning for Wendy and for Have Haven. Um, how many boys do you have there right now? So, there's 14 boys um, in the home right now. That fluctuates a little bit, but 14 there right now that we can pray for. Uh, so, I want to pray for for them as well. Um, there is a call to action here. It's called prayer. There's other ways, though, that we can come alongside what God is doing, and, and I, I think God is calling us to do that. And so we're going to be uh, talking more with Wendy and pressing into that and find out how can we be a part of what God is doing. Um, there's no one else. This is an organization that has a bunch of other churches engaged. It has a bunch of other uh, people coming alongside. Um, uh, there's one couple that I know of from a fostering family um, that's engaged, but that's it. And so there's a huge opportunity here for us to demonstrate the love of God to Wendy and to these, um, these kids. And so I just want to encourage you uh, to pray. And as God puts it on your heart, um, just be open to what he might lead you to. We'll be sharing different opportunities. The easiest one right now is we've got this tree in the back that's got tags with kids' names on them. And you pick up a tag. There's a second tag. You bring it back with the second tag. You write that kid's name on it, a little note for them just that says, something about how you love them and that this is a Merry Christmas gift, leave it under the tree. Um, that'll be huge. Just to show these kids somebody out there cares and is paying attention to them. Um, but I'd love to pray. So if you're comfortable, you can do this. If not, if you just bow your head, you can reach your hand out towards. We would lay hands on Wendy, but we're not gonna do that this morning. If you wanna reach your hand out and just pray with me for her and for these boys. So let's, let's pray. You can just reach out your hand. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks. We give you thanks and praise for this, your daughter. And Lord, more than anything, we, we pray this morning that she would know how much you love her. Lord, and that you are with her, that you'll never leave her or forsake her. That Lord Jesus, you, 
you see her as precious. And Lord, I know what she goes through day after day and week after week, Lord. I've seen a glimpse of it. And Lord, she needs you and she relies on you. But Lord, I just pray that you would strengthen her and sustain her. Lord, because she is on the front lines, Lord. She is, they're ministering to these boys. So I just pray your protection over her. Holy Spirit, I pray you would fill her for the work you've given her to do. And I pray she would know your pleasure. Lord, that you are pleased with her and the way that she has given of herself for your glory and for these kids. And Lord, we pray for these uh, boys, these 14 boys at Have Haven. Lord, we pray uh, over them that they, above all, would come to know Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior, that they would come to know you as their Heavenly Father. And Lord Jesus, that they would be healed through and through every fiber of who they are, every part of their soul, Lord, that you would do the work that only you can do to bring about healing and restoration and renewal, that you would help them to know that they are loved and that they are forgiven and that they too are precious to you. Lord, we pray for apostles that you would help us to come alongside and be a part of what you're doing in, uh, in ways that we can demonstrate the love of Jesus, Lord, that, that we be a people who, who are marked by repentance and overflow with renewal in a way that it pours out into the lives of those around us. And we pray especially it would be poured out in the lives of these boys through this church. We pray that, all of that, in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Would you all thank Wendy for coming?